Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. It's the second episode of season five. We are recording this on Thursday, October 5th, which means the Thunder has now wrapped up day three of training camp. So we're gonna give you all of the training camp observations so far this week. We also have an exclusive interview with one and only Chet Holmgren that Nick Gallo got to do. And later on, stick around because Royce Young, our very own Royce Young, got a chance to spend some time with him as well. So we've got a lot to cover. And this is always just such an exciting time of year, getting a chance to not only see these guys, but hear how they're gelling, how they're getting together on the floor for the first time in such a formal setting. Yeah, I mean, you buried the lead by not mentioning our brand new desk here inside of our lovely studio <laughs> inside Paycom Center. But no, you're right, Paris. This is so awesome to see these guys together on the floor, an opportunity um, for them to all reconnect in a more formal way. We mm-hmm. know that they've been working out piecemeal throughout the summer, but Royce, and from what you're getting to see as well, like these guys really forming those bonds right mm-hmm. now, that internal competition is stoking very high at the moment. No doubt about it. And like you said, Nick, I mean, this is something that has kind of become standard with um, the Thunder over the years of training camp. Really, it starts, you know, the day after media day, but these guys have been working together um, pretty extensively in the gym already. And uh, but, you know, just kind of the nature of um you know, the, what they do together is that there is a lot of competition, whether it's in simple, you know, shooting competitions or whatever. I know we're going to talk about some of that, but, or just the way that they compete against each other on the floor. It truly is like an iron sharpens iron type of mentality. And so um, you can see that three weeks ago when they were running pickup games against each other. And you can definitely see it now as training camps officially opened up. And they've actually split up into teams. You know, Mark talked about trying mm-hmm. to get as even of like three teams as they can possibly get 20 guys in camp. So trying to get as, many guys reps and playing mm-hmm. time as they possibly can going against each other. There's been a mix of that drill work that they mm-hmm. want to do, but more they want to be able to get guys out and playing and flowing and working on that spontaneous uh, connection as opposed to necessarily doing a ton of teaching right now, which is possible because 75% of the guys right. are returners. Which yeah. and, that's, and that's what we've heard from so many of the players um, is just the, the continuity element. And it's, it something like continuity shows up in ways that you don't always – expect i think a lot of people think of it just as simple on-court chemistry of like i know if i cut he's going to find me but there's so many different things of that you can advance along whether it's just in the verbiage you use and call outs you don't have to spend 35 minutes in practice talking about this is how we do certain things and it also makes it even easier for some of the new additions to slot into those sorts of things because um, you're not teaching the whole swath of, of the roster something new. It's basically baked in already. And so that continuity, I mean, it's existed from the way that summer league practices are done, the way that practices are done in the G League with the with mm-hmm. the blue. Um, so, I mean, it, it really gives you the ability, Nick, to like hit the ground running yeah. in so many different ways. And that's one of the things we've heard some, from so many of the guys is just that kind of comfort element um, to be able to advance along in a lot of these things. Yeah, there's so many benefits to having so many returners and familiar faces out there on the floor. And we'll get into some more of that as well as as well as kind of the mentality and the goal of training camp for these guys this season. But we've all been up up at the Thunder Ion every single day this week, and we've seen a lot of different things. So let's get into what made us look so far throughout training camp. Nick, let's let's start with you. What what made you look in training camp so far? Well, we've already talked a little bit about that internal competition and two guys that know each other and know the ins and outs of each other's games better than anybody on this roster are Shea and Lou mm-hmm. Dort. And so there's been a little, you know, tete-a-tete in the in the media over the first few days between the two of them started with Lou and I was asking him about you know he's 
in, a, in this different stage of his career now than when he first started, obviously, he kind of made a name for himself mm -hmm. within the locker room by picking up Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder full court in practices in training camp his first year. And so I was wondering, you know, is he still doing that? You know, he's he's in the in the gym taking charges in the second day of training camp. Is he, you know, also picking up full court? He said, yeah, I'm doing it to Shea a little bit. Well, then come to find out, you know, Shea is like, no, lose wasting his time. <laughs> and um, so there's a little, you know, a little budding rivalry yeah. between the two mm -hmm. Canadians there. And then somebody asked Shea about Cason Wallace. And so I had to ask, you know, was, is Cason, you know, he's a defensive mind of guy. Yeah. Is he, mm -hmm. is he picking you up full court in practices? And Shea goes, no, nah, he's a smart kid. <laughs> <laughs> he knows so, better. <laughs> so the, the fun little like war yeah. of words, but it's also just like great competitiveness mm -hmm. that's within the locker room and, and helps these guys gear up for the mentality that you have to have come regular season. For sure. I mean, for Lou picking up Shea full court, I mean, having done that now for four seasons, it's, I mean, that only makes you a better defender. For sure. I, and, you know, I mean, the, the hidden areas of, of doing something like that, it also, you know, when, when you have a player that's committed to doing that mentally and physically as often as a player like Dort does, it obviously wears down the offensive mm -hmm. player a lot, but it also just drains their possession. You know, exactly. You know, they're, they're crossing uh, midcourt, you know, with like 18, 19 on the clock mm -hmm. and they're getting into their offense a little bit later. So there's, I mean, there's huge hidden benefits of doing that. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm sure that it's fun in, in practice and, and Lou likes to be a pest. And it, that's what makes a guy like Lou Dort special, yeah. honestly, is that he practices the way he plays. Exactly. He, he really does. I mean, he's out there taking charges um, in drills. And yes. That's just what he does. And that's the epitome of iron sharpening iron, right? We hear from Lou and Shea, they make each other better offensively and defensively. We hear from Trey Mann and Kenrich Williams when they go at it one-on-one, -on -one, they're making each other better. And so you really see all of that competitive fire showing up in practice and actually moving these guys forward. All right. For, As a quick aside, yeah, yeah. you mentioned the charges. Lou has drawn 189 offensive fouls over the last three years. That's far and away more than anybody in the league. The vast majority of those have been kind of coming around screens, right. getting those illegal screens. If he adds taking charges to his arsenal, then we bet that those I mean, record books are going to be yeah, broken. Unlocking yeah, new, yeah, yeah. Uh, unlocking new levels. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people realize also, I don't think everyone realizes the difference between an offensive mm. foul and taking a charge, right. which those are two very different things. Jalen Williams has the hold on one Jay will and Lou Dort has the hold yeah, on right. the other. So let us know in the comments if you need us to break down the definition yeah. between an <laughs> offensive foul and taking a charge. All right, Royce, what about you? What made you look so far in training camp? So it was, it was, uh, after practice, I don't know if we're supposed to say today, what is today? Today is Thursday. Thursday. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, gotta, you know, got to keep it evergreen. Um, it's the number of days between OU and Texas. Right. That's right. Playing. That's, that's what's to, going on through. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Minus yeah. two days, yeah. I believe yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Um, but it, honestly, it was just something simple. And I know, I know a lot of times it can seem very cliche to say good player works hard, mm -hmm. <laughs> but like, wow. Just Alexander, it, it was pretty, um, stark to see him, you know, the, all the players are on the court shooting after practice Thursday. Uh, they all kind of go through it. SGA is still out there. He's working uh, with a lot of the assistant coaches, working very kind of specifically on a certain type of shot. And you could tell he's really honed in on it. And, you know, all the players kind of go. They do their thing. They're playing shooting game. They do their media. Coach Mark talks. Another player does media. Shea's still out there doing it. Mm -hmm. The court kind of clears out. Media clears out. <laughs> I was still there watching Shea. Shea's still going. Yeah. I went and ate lunch. Shea's still going. <laughs> so, like, he was out there working on this specific thing mm. for probably over an hour. 
And to me, it, it's just a great um, demonstration of, you know, his his mindfulness when it comes to his craft. I mean, we've talked a, about this a lot with Shay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is so dedicated to the details and being better at everything he can possibly. Everybody always asks, like, what is Shay going to get better at? Well, he's going to get better at a lot of things because he takes that type of mindset at one specific type of shot that he wants to improve upon. And, um, you know, for a guy that just had, an, you know, the most successful season of his NBA career, He's not slowing down when it comes to the work stuff. He, he's, if anything, it looks to me like he's doubling down on it. He wants to work even harder. He also revealed that his off-season workout regimen, even physically with the way he works out his body, is all tailored towards the types of actions that he's actually going to do on the court. I thought that was pretty fascinating, the mm-hmm. way that he talked about you know, some of these strange drills where he's like kneeling on a balance ball and mm-hmm. trying to catch a tennis ball at the same time. It's all calibrated towards these herky-jerky motions that he's doing the way that he attacks the lane mm-hmm. in such an unorthodox style. Very, very smart, obviously, to completely tune your body in the offseason to how you're actually going to get your points in the regular season. I just think it's so smart because we I, I talked to Shay during media day and the, the balance between working harder versus working smarter was something that he had to, you know, learn early on. And it's something that Trey Mann has had to learn just to when it comes to, you know, good player wants to work hard to get better, right? Right. But it's easy to just overwork yourself and not be efficient in your work, not necessarily get the most out of your work that you possibly can. And it sounds like what you're seeing from Shea and what we're hearing is that he is so intentional and hyper-focused on the areas that he knows he wants to improve and knows that can get stronger, can get better. And he hones in on that rather than just going out there and, and just, just sh- spending time on the floor. Shooting a thousand shots. Exactly. Yeah, for the sake it. of yeah. just being exactly. out there on the floor. He's very intentional about it. And that's that's working smarter and working harder yeah. at the same time, point, which is a very difficult balance to make. I also didn't find it a coincidence that the guy that was with Shea at his basket for the vast majority of that post-practice shooting session today was Cason Wallace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Shea was incorporating him into the drills that he was doing, some drive and dish for catch and shoot looks for Cason. Definitely a good opportunity for the Rook to see how an all-NBA yeah. player gets ready for a season. Put on the uh, yeah, put on the uh, backpack and start studying if I'm Cason yeah. Wallace because there's no better player to to study and how do I improve during my NBA career than SGA because he's done it every single season he's been in the league so yeah. far. Just taking notes over there on that basket. All right, here's what made me look so far in training camp. We've talked a lot about the returners. However, there are some newcomers that are – you know, raising the ante on a couple of traditions in this post-practice, this post-practice time that we normally get to see. After practice, all the media comes in, and typically at one basket in the far corner, there is a very, very intense barn burner of a shooting game going on between. It's an assortment of players each each practice, but generally it's Trey Man, Isaiah Joe. Lindy Waters is typically in yeah. that mix as well. Ken Rich is always Ken Rich, yeah. Jalen Williams, Jay Will was very incorporated in it last year. Well, this year, th- this the stakes have just gone up because yeah. now you've added Davis Bertans, who I promise you made 10 shots in a row when I was – like I just spent 45 seconds watching 10 shots in a row and – Trey Man won, but still, I was like, this is going to be an intense game this it was, season. It was fun to watch. I was watching it too, Paris. And yeah, Trey Man won. And I mean, the way the structure of the game kind of wins is that once you get a winner and you go back around mm-hmm. kind of world, everybody gets a chance to match it all over again. Like if, if, they, can, if yeah. they, they can go from station to station and not miss a shot, mm-hmm. they, can, they can tie them up. And everybody kind of went on. And then when Bertans took over, 
Yeah, they just started. He started raining them in, and it got kind of. It got close to the corner. He got to the corner. I think he needed to make one more. The last shot that they make, they have to kind of do a move and then shoot it. And he missed the one off the move, or he was about to come back around with a chance to actually tie Trey Mann. And Trey Mann was like celebrating. Yes, he was walking around. So excited. He was like, "I won this. I won this." (laughs) It's like you didn't win anything with Berton still out there. Right. (laughs) You got to make sure that the the book is closed before you start celebrating. He can start knocking them down in a hurry. Yeah, we talked to J-Dub afterwards, and he was like, yeah, we're going to hear about that from Trey for about a week now. Well, you deserve to brag after beating that collection of guys, and that's going to make that, you know, iron sharpens iron Mm -hmm. thing um, even more prolific here with this team because, and Josh mentioned this, you know, a couple years ago, this was not a good three-point shooting team. And they worked their way into kind of more of the middle of the pack last season, obviously still a long way to go in terms of where they want to be shooting the ball, but... You add this influx of talent of guys that we know can hit that shot from behind the arc, Mm -hmm. a guy like Bertans. And, you know, we're going to just continue to see that competition and that internal development on that shot making. You know what was the funniest part of that shooting game? I just thought of this moment. There was a part early on in it, Uh Paris, where Bertans was kind of falling behind and he wasn't, he missed a couple in Mm -hmm. a row. And and so you know what he did to try to get himself going? He ran, he, he like ran to the wing and ran back. It's like I he, saw that. He yes, wanted, he was yeah. like on the move. Yeah, he wanted to get on the move. He yeah, was like, he was, it's like that was his way to like make one. He was like, all right, I need I need to shoot one where I'm off the you know moving to catch it. For any other player, that would just raise the le- level of difficulty right. by if, ten. If you've ever watched Bertans play, he loves to move without yeah. the basketball, and he loves that quick release three. And so that's what he did to kind of like get himself going. That's that's the fascinating thing about yeah. him is like, and we talked to Josh about this today too. Is most guys that are at his size that are a shooter are standing still mm-hmm. in the corner not mobile, they might do you know a one dribble pump fake and then mm-hmm. get their shot. He is like J.J. Redick coming yeah. off of screens yeah. and the way that he tries to find shots, hunt shots, and move without the ball, that is a really fascinating dynamic. He's like, it's like a six foot 10 Isaiah Joe yeah. out there yeah. in some with sense. With a yeah. massively quick release yes, that yeah, just right. the ball is in his hands and it's up immediately within a blink of an eye. For sure. And and plus just within the style. And there will, I think, be some adjustments to the way the Thunder play. And you know, SGA has led the league in drives the mm-hmm. last three, four years or whatever it is. Um, you know, making sure you're not in his way and you're not yeah. cutting. And so you've got to kind of work through some of those timing elements. But I do think it really accentuates uh, Berton's strength of shooting off the move with the way that this Thunder team plays, mm-hmm. the way that this Thunder team drives and kicks and drives again and moves the ball from one side of the floor to the other. To me, he's just going to he's just gonna be shifting. The, we've talked about it a lot, Paris, where mm-hmm. you, know, you just draw the eyes of a defender a little bit and they just look over and a guy like Josh Giddey's finding somebody else that's exactly. open on a cut. And so those little small details of the game can have a big impact. Even a guy like Bertans that's moving without the ball, not to not to shoot a three, but just to just, just the that, threat. That gravity yeah. that pulls eyes and maybe a little attention away can make a big difference. Which is what makes this training camp so interesting, right? Seeing how all of these pieces come together onto the floor. And all right, we talked about the things that, that made us look. Let's get into some of the observations in terms of the themes that these guys have really been honing in on so far when we've gotten a chance to talk to them. And one of the biggest themes is the the goal and the mindset so far in training camp. And obviously, every training camp, you're setting a foundation, right? You're kind of setting the tone for this upcoming season. And, and for the Thunder, they're, they're stacking. They're, they're continuing on the work that they've been building over, the, over these last couple of years. And this has all been just setting a foundation for the upcoming season and how they want to play. And it's also preparing the mentality that you're going to have to have that this season is not a highway that you can look all the way down and see, you know, from Oklahoma to to California where route 66 ends. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of twists and turns that are going to happen. How can this group get prepared 
over the next couple weeks before the season starts for all of those twists and turns, yeah. for the adversity that it's going to face. That's something that Mark Degnall talked about is just like, how can we make sure that these guys' minds are really wrapped around what's coming at them and that you know the first two weeks of the season don't define you, right. good or bad. And that stretch of five games where you don't play very well, well, that's where you've got to have exactly. extreme resilience. And you have to have resilience the other direction too when you're on a five-game win streak to not let your guard down. I, I love that yeah. quote that Mark had, the, the one that you're referencing, because he started it off by saying like, yeah, training camp's exciting. It's fun. The first day, they, they always go well because there's no adversity, yeah. right? Like every team has a great first day of training camp because there's there's no there's no adversity. There's no tension. There's no pull. Well, this it's our job to make sure that our guys are mental, mentally prepared going into the season to be able to handle that adversity that comes their way. Statistically speaking, I mean, every team's going to go through a losing streak. Yeah. Most of the time, three, four, five mm-hmm. games at some point this year. The 82-game schedule is very long and it's very arduous. And so um, it is one of those things, especially with a young team like this, that I think is um, excited about a lot of the previous work that they've done. Everybody understands the improvement that they made last year, uh, both in the, the win column and also just net rating and just the progress that was made, the progress that was made the years before with it, that got them to that point. Everybody feels good about where they're going into this year, but that doesn't that doesn't guarantee you anything. Right, that right. doesn't promise you anything. Your record starts zero and zero. You got to start all over again. You're not just because you were basically a top 10 defense last year mm-hmm. and now, oh, you're adding in a seven foot shot blocker. That doesn't mean you're going to just take a natural step of progression forward. Right. Everybody knows progress is not linear. And, you know, Sam Presti said it at his availability. He's very confident this team is going to be better at the end of the year than they are right now. And I think everybody feels that way because we've seen the proof is in the pudding with the the last few years. They've Mm -hmm. gotten better every single year. But you also still have to do the work and and go through that process to get there. And that's going to require some adversity. And, you know, you can't ever anticipate when it comes. Maybe an injury, maybe a losing streak, maybe a bad call, whatever it might be. You're just going to have to deal with it and then move on to the next one. Yeah, and the Thunder historically is really good about not making any predictions about itself verbally. What Mark said is this team can't even make any predictions about itself internally in their own heads. You know, mm-hmm. don't come into this season with any preconceived notions. Just like you're saying, Royce, you can't carry 40 wins with you, and there's no guarantee that you're going to get 40 wins again this year right. just because you happen to be a year older. So that's the mindset that they're really trying to craft right now is that they've got to earn every single one of these things that they get and they're not gifted anything from these this past mm-hmm. years that they've been building up. And, and make sure that they stick to the standards that they set internally mm-hmm. and make sure they're hitting those every single day. Uh, another really common thing, and we, we touched on it already, was just the continuity and the familiar faces in the building so far and how that also help not only helps the guys that are there, but also helps the new guys that are coming in to be able to ask questions, to be able to kind of get into the fold of guys who are really familiar with the system, familiar with the play style, and can kind of help them get, you know, integrated well. The the team is doing a really nice job of just making those connection points. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about, um, you know, guys, you know, trying to get connected with the playmakers. There's so many playmakers on this mm-hmm. team. So being able to, you know, find shots for the Bertanzas of the world and trying to find alley-oops for Chet yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's all these points of connection that need to be made during this time of year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, I think with the continuity element, it goes even just beyond, you know, the players themselves, but same coaching staff, yeah. same mm-hmm. messaging. Um, the organization itself is just incredibly stable. Um, and those sorts of things, when you have that kind of alignment throughout it, it does. It just pays dividends. And again, it's it's not necessarily something that you just can see, you know, physically tangible every single day. But it's the small it's the small areas that matter where you can, you know, it's it 
I don't want to say cut corners, but you can advance through yeah. things quicker than maybe you otherwise. You can be just more efficient with the way that you approach things. Um, obviously, the, the way that the Thunder have operated and one of the reasons that they have gotten to this point developmentally is because of how thorough they've approached everything. But you know, at a certain point, you do kind of advance through a lot of things and you can lean on the fact that you've got the continuity. You've got a little more veteran mm -hmm. uh, leadership on the team, even though the team is still absurdly young. <laughs> Very um, young. But, you know... Josh Giddy's about to turn 21. He's really growing up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you do have a couple guys, you know, the Kenrich Williamses, mm -hmm. Bertans is 30 years old. Uh, Michich, even though he's a rookie, he's, he, you know, he's a very accomplished player. So you've kind of got that sprinkling of veteran leadership. Yeah. And then a guy like SGA, who I think is, you know, he's still a very young player, but he's got some innate leadership skills. Right. So all that stuff kind of packaged together in the continuity, I think just makes something like a Thunder training camp very efficient to where they can get a lot of things done. The, the last thing I want to talk about is just – Everyone that we spoke to has hinted at this has just been a really good start. We've They've been able to hit the ground running. Nobody looks like they've missed a beat when they got to training camp. And that all had to do with the fact that these guys individually had really strong summers. And mentioned, you mentioned how young this team is. Well, when you have such young players, summers are drastic for young players, right? That's why all these guys typically come back looking very different, especially from a physical sense. There's so much that can be accomplished over the summer. And we've heard that practices have been very sharp. They've been very physical and they've been really, really tight in terms of being able to get through things very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, Usman, I think is taller. J-Dub <laughs> looks like a totally different person. Um, <laughs> right. Just in terms of how, how built he is now, in terms of how he uh, attacks his workouts with his body. Um, yeah, these guys are mm -hmm. still evolving. And that's to your point, Royce, like this team in the, the, the atmosphere on the team is constantly evolving too. As these players come into the fold, as they get better, this whole thing is an organism that's right. shifting. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to pick up from where they were in New Orleans and Minnesota in the play-in game and be able to just drop that right into the start of this For season. For sure. And, and you know, just speaking of the, the off-season element, You've got a lot of these guys that played internationally. We've mm -hmm. talked about that some yeah. of, you know, the advantage that gives you and just your sharpness. Uh, you know, Josh Giddy talked about it a little bit. SGA's talked about just kind of the advantage that that gives you of, you know, SGA talked about it the other day of you can try to simulate these sorts of things. You can try to go into games where you have refs or you have pickup games that are kind of like a real game. But there's there's no nothing uh, that can really, uh, you know, help you simulate the real thing. And so playing those international games, I think helps a lot of these players, whether it's conditioning or just, you know, the sharpness of their game, they can kind of come into training camp with a little bit more uh, juice there because of what they've been doing over the last month before it. Yeah. And Josh was saying that it's not even just about the X's and O's of bettering your game. It's just staying in the habit of playing real meaningful basketball games and coming into training camp with that sort of experience. One final big theme. Well, everyone was very curious about how Chet Holmgren was going to be incorporated into this play style and how he was going to be incorporated into training camp as well. We heard a lot about Chet over these last three days, but even before then, our very own Nick Gallo had a chance to sit down with him leading up to this season. We will have that interview right after the break. Coop Illworks is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites F5 IPA and 99 Calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLworks.com. We've got Chet Holmgren with us now. Great to have you on the Thunder Basketball Universe pod. You first appearance on the pod since your draft press conference so we can officially call you a friend of the pod now um and 
there's a there's a phrase that this team lives by that I think you are just perfect for, which is called the moment of truth. What does that mean to you, that moment of truth? Uh, the moment of truth is when you find out what people are really made of. Uh, it's like, uh, it's a split second thing where you don't really have time to think. Like, you, you see who's really about it. Like, <clears throat> either charges or uh, contesting somebody at the rim or diving on a loose ball or, um, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, you really see who's willing to put their body on the line for the game and uh, try to go make a play. You're the last line of defense for your teammates. All your guys are always, you know, depending on you. You are kind of that moment of truth for this team in a lot of ways, don't you feel? Uh, at times, yeah. Uh, it will be my job to uh, be in that moment of truth, you could say, uh, and try to make a play on the ball. Like I said, whether it's a charge going up to protect the basket, make a play at the rim or dive on the ball, whatever it might be, uh, you know, just try to uh, serve in those moments of truth. Yeah, because the moment of truth, that applies on the other end of the floor too, where you're going to be the one, okay, I got to take this shot. This is my shot right now. It's in rhythm. It's serving the game, as you said. Or, hey, I've got to make the next best play. What's your mindset on, on that end of the floor in terms of, of that same mentality? Uh, just doing whatever I can to try and raise the ceiling of the team and, and do what's needed to help win that game that night, uh, whether it is to take that shot or to move the ball or to put the ball on the floor and make a play, uh, you know, whatever's needed. You mentioned kind of serving the game. That has been, seems to me at least, been a part of not just your basketball personality, but your your personality as a human being too for a long time. You've played in so many different settings with so many great players from since you were a little kid. Um, how has that sort of identity been honed within you? Yeah, you said serving the game. That's, that's a great way to put it. Uh, you know, it's a, a back and forth relationship uh, between me and basketball. You know, basketball has taken me across the world and given me all the opportunities in the world. And um, I think uh, it'd be uh, ignorant or however you might say it to uh, not take full advantage of that or appreciate that. Uh, and what basketball has done for me and try to do the same for basketball uh, and, you know, put everything into it and uh, play it the best I can. You know, the, the remarkable thing is that that was taken away from you for a bit and all of your work was done in the dark. Can you shed a little light on, on that work? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's no different than if I wasn't hurt, uh, you know, the just I would have been playing and I would have been able to showcase some of that work that I was doing that wasn't seen. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity last year and uh, now that opportunity has arisen and, uh, you know, I'm really excited and I look forward to it. How well do you know the, the Thunder strength and conditioning guys at this point? <laughs> uh, those are some of my best buddies. Yeah, I bet. I bet. You know, um, Sam has talked about, you know, if there was a time where your Super Bowl was being able to lift your ankle up and, and you know, flex your foot the, the way that it was. Um, just, I mean, take me through some of those moments to now when, you have a lot of different Super Bowls every time you're going to be able to, to strap up and, and go to war with your teammates. Yeah, uh, I mean, throughout the whole process, there were a lot of Super Bowls, there were a lot of toilet bowls, uh, <laughs> there were ups and downs. Um, some days sucked, some days uh, were exciting because, you know, like you said, I was doing something that uh, was progress, uh, you know, but it still wasn't anything close to where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, now I, I feel like we're really close and, uh, you know, I'm excited to get out there with the guys and and uh, really start putting things together. You're a player that already, before any of this, 
it's so clear that you don't take any possession for granted on the floor, the way that you play, the tenacity, the toughness. Uh, where do you think that that came from within you to, to you know, be able to give it right back to anybody that's trying to play physical or you know, the ability to, to be able to be a competitor on every single possession. I say part of it was nurture, part of it was nature. Uh, you know, I was just a hard-headed kid, didn't like people saying they got one over on me or anything on or off the court. And then also I was growing up with, with great coaches and people around me. Uh, you know, I was taught not to take a play for granted because, uh, you know, if you do, there's somebody right behind you who isn't going to. So, um, you know, you just got to play every possession like, like it truly matters, which it does. So that's, that's the... Uh, attention to detail I try to bring every night. Do you remember when you fell in love with the game? <clears throat> no, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the competitiveness and, and all of that was part of it as well. Um, growing up in Minneapolis, you said you had a lot of great coaches. Can you kind of take me back to, to Minnie and, and you know where you grew up and um, some things that made that place so special to you um, and, and really stand out to you? Yeah, it was, it was special to me just because there, there was a great culture around it. Uh, in the last few years, there's been a lot of basketball players that have come out of there and done done really good things. And uh, you know, before we knew uh, we would be able to do that, we were all playing against each other in AAU and sixth grade and eighth grade and stuff. You know, some of us were really good back then. Some of us weren't that good and got good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and uh, just that culture of it, and uh, you know, like I said, the people around me that helped me uh, get to where I was. Uh, you know, Coach Suggs way back in the day when. Uh, you know, I was in like third grade and, you know, I was probably the worst player in the state, you know, still kept it up and uh, believed in me and, uh, you know, it paid dividends for me. How about off the court back home? What are some favorite places for you to go either, you know, out just in nature or in the city or, or restaurants? Uh, there's a lot of places. Um, you know, some of the well-known ones are like Manny's downtown. You got to go there, steakhouse, great food, big portions, fairly expensive. Um, Ocean Air, uh, other places, there's, you know, Minnesota's known for good food, great diversity. Uh, you know, there's good Jamaican food and African food and, you know, all types of different stuff there. So uh, you just kind of got to show up and uh, have an open palate to try new things. Um, but it's great. Uh, there's other things like uh, there's 10,000 lakes, uh, the Mississippi, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do and walk around, uh, get into out there. Um, you know, I'm glad, glad I grew up there. Were you a lake guy? Did you go fishing and, and oh, do all yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff? Yep, yep, yep. We had a cabin when I was younger. Uh, then we got too busy for it and uh, unfortunately ended up selling it. Was there a basketball hoop there? Oh, there was. All right. Well, see, so, I mean, you could, you could travel anywhere and, and make sure you got a game in and get that competitive fire going. Um, as you prepared for this season, just I'm sure your excitement level has been through the roof for all of the reasons, but thinking about your teammates, I mean, these guys that can play make for you, that you can play make for, what goes through your mind as you get a chance to, to play with these guys? Uh, excitement. Uh, going into the season, there's so many unknowns, and some of that excitement is to start figuring out those unknowns and, and making them knowns. And, uh, you know, we're going to do that from day one of training camp and uh, show up with. Uh, intensity and, and focus and, uh, you know, get better each day. You're an all spots of the floor kind of guy. <laughs> you mentioned all the unknowns. Um, how, what, what goes through your mind in terms of just the possibilities of the way that you can impact the game with this team? Uh, yeah, I try to uh, go through all of the different 
opportunities that I'll have and possibilities of what will happen and, and try to game plan and prepare for them. But at the end of the day, uh, the best thing you can do is prepare to, uh, you know, stay light on your feet and improvise with, you know, how the game goes. You know, you can't script the game. So uh, I know a lot of people think Vegas can, but I don't think it's possible. So no. And you can't script a season either. And, and there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be five-game win streaks. There's going to be four-game losing streaks. With all the positive energy and momentum, how do you all still maintain that perspective as such a young team in this league? Uh, I feel like we've had a great uh, organization of front office people and coaching staff that uh, have helped like instill uh, the right thought processes in us. Uh, you know, we have a young team, but uh, we have wise people around us, and some of that's rubbing off on us. As you just as a final question, as you think about this sort of career that you're embarking on a little bit, you know, you had a rookie year where the team didn't get to have you, but you got to have some experiences. What do you think are the biggest things that you were able to bring into this year that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise? Uh, my effort level, my focus level, uh, you know, as much as I brought that last year, it wasn't really able to factor into what the team was doing. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to be able to do that this year. Awesome. Well, Chet, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. Thank you. So much excitement coming into this season, just surrounding seeing Chet on the floor. And we've heard from several of his teammates just how happy they are that he's able to participate in training camp, but also they're looking forward to seeing his emotions out there on the floor for the first time. Yeah, it was so cool just getting to sit down with him and get a feel for where he's at in all of this. You know, he had such a unique mm -hmm. year last year. The cool thing that I took from hearing him talk about that, just listening back, is his work and his approach last season would have been the exact same whether he had been healthy or not. And so, yes, his Super Bowl was being able to lift up his foot and you know being able to, to walk again and all that stuff. But the way that he attacked that, the mentality behind that is the exact same as he has worked out all this summer um, to get prepared for this season. That's something that Sam Presti has talked about is just like the mentality with Chet is real. And Royce, I know that you also got an opportunity to, to sit down with him. And um, if you haven't read Royce's piece on OKCThunder.com, the descriptive writing is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And uh, also just the insight into the last you know 14 months of Chet's mm -hmm. life is too. Yeah. And it was awesome hanging out with Chet um, the last couple of weeks. And you know, I think one of the things that really stood out to me, and I'm sure you guys probably got it in just your conversations with him too, is that he's a really kind of deep thinker, thoughtful mm -hmm. person, um, really considers what he's going to say. Um, but also I think he was very reflective on the, um, while the adversity of last year was very difficult and very frustrating and there were a lot of difficult struggling days, but he's also thankful for what he went through in, in a lot of different ways. And he fully acknowledges that he's, he feels like he's going to be a better basketball player because of it. Um, but you know, Sam Presley did talk about it, Nick, you know, one of the things about Chet is that his mindset is kind of been the way it always has been. He's a fearless, competitive um, uh, very physical type of player. And, you know, he's walking on the court, you know, he was asked the other day at, uh, at after a practice about like, is the injury in your mind at all? And he was like, no, I mean, like, that's yeah. just, mm -hmm. and that's just not the way that Chet is. And so, you know, there was a lot of things to me that it really stood out just about uh, Chet and his mentality. And, you know, he, he's always kind of just been this player, but also when you think about the way that he transitions into this team, you know, everybody's very curious to see what he's going to look like. There's going to be an adjustment period, I think for both him 
and the team, you know, Sam Presti talked about that this isn't just Chet's first year. This is our first year with Chet. Right. right. And, you know, Chet feels that himself. He fully acknowledges that of like, you know, I he, he's never played a competitive basketball game with SGA yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they, play, they practiced a lot. But there's a different thing when you get out on yeah. the court and you play with another player, um, you know, and in a lot of ways, you know, SGA is the best player he's ever played with, too. So you know, there's going to be some adjustments. But one of one of the things that was the through line in all my conversations with Chet is he's just looking for a way to be additive. He just wants yep. to add to the team. Right. Do what I can do. I think that you're going to see a lot of games where, you know, maybe it is a little bit of a struggle, but you're, I don't think at any point you're going to be doubting. Is Chet Holmgren trying? <laughs> because he's going <laughs> to yeah. be trying. He's going to. He's a competitive monster that wants to do everything he can possibly do to help a team win a game, and that is his entire focus all the time. Yeah, and that ties into what we just heard from him about the moment of truth and how he really embodies that as a player, as like a guy that in that split second there are no business decisions being made. He is going after the basketball. Yeah. He's not, you know, letting anybody take anything from him easily. And you know, to your point, Royce, like there's an opportunity for the Thunder to kind of research throughout this year. For sure. How can he be the most efficient and most effective player for this team? Most impactful, I think, was the word that Mark Dagnall used. And then how does that play style fit into what the Thunder has on the floor as well? So kind of orienting all Mm -hmm. of that together is going to be part of this process of exploration for the team. But ultimately, the goal is, all right, how can Chet play his best ball? Mm -hmm. How can Shea play his best ball, Josh's best ball? we've seen this team do that with some of these other pieces. This is just one more to do it with. Yeah. And, you know, I think you saw it a little bit, even in summer league, you know, think back to Chet's uh, first game, this most Mm -hmm. recent summer league, it was a little bit of a struggle in the first half. He was, I think, trying to do a little too much. He was a little antsy. He wanted to prove himself. And he even acknowledged, you know, he'd spent the last, you know, six months on the court doing a lot of individual stuff. And he was kind of eager to show off some of those individual things that he had been working on. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Chet's the type of player with a lot of self-awareness, you know, talking with the coaching staff, you you could see the progression through summer league where he got off the ball a little bit more, got in the pick and roll a little bit more, relied on his teammates a little bit more. He became a uh, much better play finisher. Um, And then that opened up a lot of other things in his game. And so I think you kind of saw a little bit of a snapshot of that learning process that the team is going to have to go through with Chet. There's going to be times where I think that Chet can clear out and he can, and he can show what he can do, but there's also going to be times where you're going to have to take a step back and say, well, let's, let's figure out how that, reworks back into the into the concept of the group and again those are just things that you just got to go through the schedule and you got to play the games and you've got to learn those things on the fly because um, as much as you can watch film and say okay that's what I'm going to imagine myself doing right. Chet talked to me about that sort of thing was you know there's no substitute for seeing it up close and personal right. experiencing it he was talking about some of the pickup games he played this summer against some of the great players in the NBA mm-hmm. um, and you know you, you can watch something on TV and feel like you're picking up some nuances of their game it's a, it's a whole different ball game when you're yeah. standing right in front of them and trying to guard them in that moment. And um, those are things that Chet's fully aware that he's going to have to learn. One other thing, Nick, you pointed it out that he is completely fearless in trying to block shots. Chet also fully understands he's going to get dunked yeah. by. Yes. And he doesn't care. That comes with the territory <laughs> he just for sure. understands that. He's like, I'm going to get one punched on me, but that doesn't mean – that just the way he put it to me was that means that guy did that his job on that play and mm. I need to do mine better the next time. And, and it's that type of mentality that I think makes Chet pretty special. You know, that's a mentality that Lou Dort has too. And that's why, again, this kind of all seems to be such a good fit is, yeah, there's times that Lou's going to get 30 scored on him, mm-hmm. but it's going to be the hardest 30 of that guy's right. season. And uh, that's the goal for the Thunder defensively. I think that speaks to the fact that the quote that stood out to me was his mindset is as unique as he is. And mm-hmm. and that's that's something that you put in your article. And the other thing that my, my favorite part of the whole story was the fact that Chet 
always was holding a basketball when he was talking to Everywhere you. Everywhere he goes. It's yeah. just like, you're in the car. There's a basketball. It, 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 there, you're yeah. out in the field somewhere. There's a basketball. He's like, I mean, it's it truly like if you're anywhere around Chet, I, I think if there's just a round object anywhere, <laughs> can I say that real quick? Can I have that? He he feel, I, I've noticed that about him everywhere he goes. He wants a best. I, I remember last year there'd be times where he'd be walking around, um, you know, he wasn't playing in a game, but he'd be walking around the arena with a ball under his arm. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's, he's the type of guy that just, he is a basketball junkie through right. and through. He loves it so much. And I, you know, I, he, that's one of the things about last year is it, it, that's the first time he's ever had to really miss games mm-hmm. because of an injury. And that was a difficult thing for him. But again, I think that that can be something that in a reflective way, he's going to, he's, he's looking at the ways that it's going to make him sharper and better in the long term. And I think it says a lot about him that he was able to get through it the way he did, because he, he, he even talked about that he, he was looking at this team and it, it, he felt like that they were a boat that was sailing to somewhere special. And he did not want to be the anchor that was holding right. them back right. just because he wasn't playing. And again, that, that's that team mindset that he has. As difficult as it was for him personally, he was still trying to think about what was in the best interest of the team. Um, and again, I think that that's just what makes Chad a pretty special player. Yeah, th- this kid has a really, really good head on his shoulders. And and for those who don't know, the article is titled Persistent Pursuit, How Chet Holmgren's Road Back Was Rooted in Work. And you can find it on OKCThunder.com. Royce Young, really well done with that article. Learned so much about our very own Chet Holmgren. All right, time to get into what's on tap for the Thunder. Well, if you look past the weekend, the Thunder's going to be playing basketball on Monday. They take on the San Antonio Spurs inside of Paycom Center. And then next thing you know, we've hit the ground running and the preseason is in full motion. Yeah, it's hard to believe that the first chance for everybody to come down and see this team is Monday. You can be here inside Paycom Center to watch this. We'll see whether Victor Victor Wembanyama plays for mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs in that game, but that kicks off a really rapid fire slate yeah. of preseason games. Where OKC is then going to be on to Montreal next week. We'll have more for you from the Thunder Basketball Universe, of course, beyond that. But I mean, we've got real actual basketball to cover as opposed to just what these guys are saying <laughs> exactly. back and forth yeah. in you know to to the media in practice. And once it starts, it doesn't stop. It no. doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't no, it stop does for not. a long time. I hope you enjoyed your summer yeah. because <laughs> yeah. uh, we're rolling now. So be sure to stay tuned to OKCThunder.com and at OKCThunder on all social media channels throughout training camp. We've got you covered. We'll be at every media availability and at every game. So everything that you need to know, we've got you covered. But until then, we want to thank you so much for watching and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to Chet Holmgren. Thank you so much to Royce Young. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.